Tonight's scripture will be from John 10, verses 30 to 33. John 10, verses 30 to 33. I and my Father are one. And then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many works, many good works I have shown you from my Father, for which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work you do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you believe, being a man, make yourself God. Um, I'd like to thank everybody that's here today to uh, watch us lead services, and um, I'd also like to thank the elders for um, giving me this opportunity to preach to y'all. And today I'm going to be um, talking about Jesus is real. There are three topics that I'm going to discuss. Jesus really came to earth, Jesus is really the Messiah, and Jesus is really coming back. Jesus came to earth because of his love for us. God sent Jesus to earth to die for us. John 3.16 says, And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to earth because we need a Savior. We need a Savior because of sin. Sin ruins our lives and separates us from God. If you have your Bible tonight, I'd like you to turn to 1 John 3.4. 1 John 3.4. And it says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for, the sin is, for sin is the transgression of the law. It's saying here that sin, it's going to separate us from God. It's going to keep us from going to heaven and seeing God. Sin is breaking the law. The law we're talking about is God's law. Now we know Satan tempts us so that we'll sin. Satan started tempting way back in the garden with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. Satan even tried to tempt Jesus to make him do wrong in Matthew chapter 4. Satan will tempt us today just like he tempted Christ. And I'd like you all to turn to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. It says... For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in, all, was in all points tempted like as we are. In this verse, it's saying that just as Satan tempted Jesus, he's going to tempt us too. So we need to be like Jesus did and, he, and say no, because Jesus said no when Satan tried tempting him. Jesus really came to earth because of God's concern for the lost. Jesus proclaimed that a soul was worth more than the whole world. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26 says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus points out just how important your soul really is. Being your soul is so important, we should hold it with great, with great value. Jesus came to earth to save the lost soul. If you will, please turn, please turn to Luke 19, verse 10. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which, is lost, which was lost. Jesus is coming to save us. We're the lost soul that Jesus has come to save. We can learn also that the ones who, who Jesus will save are those in his church. 
Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Only in Jesus can one find salvation. Next, I'd like to talk about Jesus is really the Messiah. I'd like to talk about the prophecy concerning Christ's birth. It is said that Jesus is going to be born of a virgin. This was recorded in Isaiah chapter 7 verse, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. This was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And it says, Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, was, which being interpreted is God with us. Now in Isaiah, it's, it's prophesying Christ's birth. It's, it's talking about the, the events that will lead up to his birth. However, in Matthew, it's talking about the event of Christ's birth. It's talking about the day he was born. It says that he was born of a virgin. Abraham is going to have a seed line which leads to Christ. God said to Abraham in Genesis 12:3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. All families on the earth would be blessed because through Abraham's family will come to Christ. We also find that Jesus will be born in the area of Judah and the town of Bethlehem. So if you will please turn to Micah 5.2. Micah 5.2. It says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, that though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me... <clears throat> That is, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. In this verse, it's prophesying where Jesus, where Jesus Christ was going to be born. It says he's going to be born in the area of Judah, but he's going to be born in the town of Bethlehem. Now I'm going to talk about the prophecy concerning Christ's death. Jesus was going to be despised and rejected by men. Isaiah 53.3 says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Jesus' suffering took place and was recognized in Mark 9, verses 12 and 13. And it says, And he answered and told them, Elias verily cometh first, and restoreth all things, and how it is written of the Son of Man, that he must suffer many things. And be said it not, but I say unto you that Elias is indeed come, and they have done unto him whatsoever they listed, as it is written of him. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. Isaiah 53 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. Jesus did not even argue when he was going to be killed. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. You can read that in Isaiah 53 7. Even when he was being despised and rejected, he did not say anything. And when, the chief, and when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. And you can read that in Matthew chapter 27, verses 12 through 14. So we see in each instance that there was a prophecy that it came true. Now I'd like to talk about the prophecy concerning Christ's grave. Christ would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Joseph of Arimathea a rich man gave, came and gave Christ the tomb in Matthew chapter 27 verses 57 through 60. 
Jesus said he would, raise, he would be raised the third day. So if you will, please turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. And it says, From that time forth began Jesus to show, in his, show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. In that verse, it's talking about how Jesus told his disciples he would be raised the third day. And he, he promised them he would be raised the third day. And on the third day, he was raised. They did not find a body in the tomb which he was buried in. During the first sermon following Christ's resurrection, they stressed the importance of Christ's resurrection. Some people even tried to hide Jesus' resurrection because it was, so, it was so important, which you can read in Matthew chapter 28, verses 11 through 15. Now my final topic is Jesus is really coming back. Jesus told his disciples he would come back in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. And, that, and it says... Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So in this verse, it's talking about how Jesus promised his disciples that he would come back. He said, he said he's leaving, but he's going to prepare a place for them in heaven. And when, he, and when he's done preparing the place for them in heaven, he will come back and take the faithful Christians to that, to that home that he's promised to them. After fulfilling the promise of, the, of resurrection, there is no doubt that Christ will fulfill his promise of coming back. Jesus proved he could raise mankind through raising Lazarus. Jesus is the resurrection, and he can raise us too. John 11, verse 25 says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, Yet shall he live. In this verse, it says that Jesus, he can, he can raise us just as easily as he raised Lazarus. Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus will raise us, raise the faithful at the last trumpet. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall, be cha we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So in this verse, it's saying that the last trumpet is going to come in the blink of an eye. We don't know when it's going to come. So we need to be prepared for when it does come. So, so if it does come, we need to be faithful to God, and so we will have a home in heaven. By living faithful, we shall see Christ. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are, we the, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what, <clears throat> what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This verse is, this verse is saying that if we live faithful unto death as, and live as God would want us to, our, we're going to be promised a home in heaven, just as God said we would. I'm going to see God because I'm faithful to him. Are you? 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. First off, I'd like to thank the elders for giving me this opportunity to speak to you all tonight. I'd also like to thank Jared for giving me the courage to come up here and speak. And thank you for everybody who came out just to listen. A long time ago, a farmer lived beside the railroad tracks. One day, he heard a train coming. 
He looked up to see his three-year-old boy walking towards the speeding train. The father realized it would be impossible to stop, to stop it. So he yelled, lie down. And without pausing, the child did, and the train surpassed and his child was unhurt. A few days later, he received a phone call from the president of the railroad company to praise him, not for his bravery or wisdom, but because his son had obeyed him. Jesus wants and expects us to obey him today. John 14, 15 says, if you will love me, keep my commandments. However, the devil is alive and real. Everyone turn to Genesis 3 and let's read verses 2 through 5. Genesis 3, verses 2 through 5. And the woman said to her serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here we see where Eve is being tempted in the garden by Satan, the serpent. He convinced Eve to eat the apple, even, even after she knew God's command of not to eat it. He wants us to think that it's okay to live like the world and not exactly live as God would have us to live. Let's look at today's world. There are so many things that people just overlook because the world seems to accept. The devil wants us to believe that it's okay to drink alcohol. The devil is responsible for how the media glamorizes drinking. He wants, to, he wants us to think you have to drink alcohol to be the life of the party or to fit in. The devil says through the commercials and magazine ads that you can be popular if you drink. Binge drinking or the consumption of five or more drinks in a row on at least one occasion. In 2011, the USA Today reported in a national survey that about one-third of high school seniors and 45% of college students reported at least one occasion of binge drinking within the past few, two weeks. The devil wants us to want to fit in with everybody. He wants us to fit in so badly that he lies to us every day and makes it easier to forget what God says and follow the world. What he doesn't tell us is that every two hours, a teenager is dying from alcohol-related activity. Once the devil gets you to take that first drink, it may be too late. About half of the U.S. teens below the age of 14 get, will be addicted to alcohol at some point. The devil lies to us and tells us it's okay to engage in se sexual promiscuity. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, 36.9% of 14-year-olds have had premarital relations. More than one of the three among 12th graders, 66.4% have engaged in premarital relations. This is not only causing widespread diseases, but a number of children being born into young teenage females. The devil lies to us to make it look like, like a way to fit in and be popular without telling us sometimes irreversible consequences. Truly, this is not the way God insisted it. So as we have seen, the devil is the master of lies and deceit. They're just a couple of the temptations that the devil tempts us with. We can read in God's word, his own son was tempted. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, 
If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, and behold angels came and ministered him. What a great example for us to follow. Jesus was tempted with things that at the time I'm sure were very appealing to him. However, he did not let the devil win. Instead, he quoted scripture, explaining the devil why he would not give in to his temptation. Let's look at another place where the devil was alive and active. Please, if you would, turn me to Job 1, 6 through 7. Job 1, 6 through 7. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. He, here the devil tells God that he has been walking to and fro across the land. Another example is 1 Peter 5, 8. If you would turn with me there. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Where Peter, this verse talks about where Peter warns us by saying, be sober, be vigilant, or alert, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This should warn us that the devil is hunting us like a lion hunts its prey. He is frantically searching, especially for Christians, who can devour or cause to turn away from God what he wants us to be. The devil has deceitfully convinced the majority of people in the world that the Bible is just a history book, not, inspired word of, not the inspired word of God. Even some of the so-called Christians have let the devil deceive them into believing that God would not want them to live in the old-fashioned with so many limitations. So they add or take away from the Bible to make it fit their lifestyle. If you would, turn me to 2 Peter, verse 3, 15, 2 Peter 3, 15 through 18. 2 Peter 3, verse 15 and 18, 15 through 18. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, Beware that you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. This tells us that we as Christians need to study another scripture so that we can protect ourselves against the walls of the devil. As we have said, Satan is alive and well. We need to be ready to stand up against Satan because, because he is alive and well. 
The Bible offers many warnings about Satan and the evil that you can draw, he can draw you into. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Ephesians 6, 11, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. Ephesians 6, 16, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Finally, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil has a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. All these voice, verses point to the fact that Satan's purpose is to bring you down. He wants nothing more than to see you be found eternally lost. This is just more, this is just more of a reason that we must stay faithful to God and resist Satan. Those that don't resist Satan and sin are, are to be of the devil. 1 John 3, 8 says that he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. This leads me to my final point. Not only is the devil real, but on a brighter note, God is real and much more powerful. Let's look first at God's power. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 10, 28 through 31. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both your soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground, apart from your father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more valued than many sparrows. God tells us that he knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. He tells us his people not to be afraid because we are way we are way more valued than the sparrows. God, secondly, is God's wisdom. Turn me, if you would, to Matthew 16, 26. Matthew 16, 26. For what profit is to, be, is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Here he's telling us. So what if we're the most popular kid in school? We have the coolest clothes or the finest things? Because in the end... Those things aren't going to even matter. Are they worth losing your soul? And finally, it's God's love. Please turn to Romans 5, 8. Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So there is hope. God sent his only son to die for us so that we can have hope for eternal life. He knew that sometimes we were going to uh, fall short and stumble and sin, but he gave us a way to escape from the devil. Now we must, be, now we must be obey the, to obey the Bible and the plan of salvation so we can resist and live with God. First, you must hear the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Then you must believe that Jesus is the Christ, John 3, 16. We must repent of all of our sins, Acts 2, 38. We must confess with our mouth, Matthew 10, 32. And finally, we must be baptized for the remission of our sins, Mark 16, 16. There is no doubt that Satan is real. And as Jordan discussed, we know God is real. Everyone that is not a Christian needs to become one and live faithfully to God. If we can help you with that, just please come forward now as we stand and sing.